was going to tell you just as a quick aside, completely separate from just the price of magic cards. Uh-huh. You ever just want to really feel like a whole different world is the world of magic artwork. Oh yeah. It's crazy expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sketches like, um, so Titus Luntner, who's the one who did the, um, ice age or the, uh-huh. the, the snow covered lands. Um, I have some of his just like, uh, graphite and pencil drawings and those go for hundreds of dollars that's that's crazy but like it's kind of awesome though i mean art art in general is pretty expensive so like hundreds of dollars for a piece of art isn't that big of a deal no but but for a full piece of like completed oil or something they they also can sell like um a lot of artists now work digitally in even in magic um Uh but some are now swinging back to doing traditional because traditional planeswalkers have gone for twenty five, thirty thousand dollars. Can we talk about? Wow, that's freaking awesome! Can yeah. we talk about though how amazing the art is in in uh, Eldraine? Yeah, and like the I mean, the alternate art. So yeah. I actually got a Gadwick alternate art in one of my seals, and I'm like, I'm in love with so many cards in this set, and I have a lot of questions for you actually. But what do you have a favorite alternate art in this set? Um, the murderous writer, writer from Jen Ravenna. Okay. Uh, if you, that is probably my favorite for the okay. arts. Yeah. Have you seen it? I, I think I have seen it. It's pretty good. Yeah. It, um, it's, it's, she does a lot of like inks, um, all Japanese style kind of inking. Um, she did the eldest reborn. So it's the um, it was the saga card from Dominaria. It got played a lot in standard, where you know, like on one, it basically discard a card or sacrifice creature. On two, discard a card, and then on three, you could put a creature or a planeswalker from a graveyard into play. Um, and it's just like Bolus being reborn out of inkings, and she did the murderous writer uh, alt art. Oh my gosh! Yeah, just look up the eldest reborn art, and it's just. Yeah. yeah, and I mean the murderous writer is just yeah. insane yeah. as it is. Yeah. Um, for drafting though, uh, one of my buddies pulled like, uh, and I know it's not like a card that's gonna be used in standard, but it's a yeah, it's a card that I love in limited. Um, it's like the adventure specter in black that makes you discard two cards, and he comes in as a four five for seven mana, and he has flying if you have less than two cards. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I feel like that card wins me so many matches. Yeah, uh, just because like I'm kind of like a control player and I play these longer matches and I, lo- I love to make you discard cards. Yep. And then like obviously by that time they don't have more than two cards and so you, you fly over for the win. But like the alternate foil of that was, and I mean I don't know what I'm gonna do with it, but I like paid him for it. I was like, let me buy you a drink and I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll take that card. <laughs> totally worth it. Totally worth it. No, I mean, and that's it's it's kind of cool. It's that that element that I keep. I think keeps magic alive is that the art will get you to get a card. You know, it, it, they have the alternate versions. You can play it like we've talked about in so many different ways. But there's also like special things in each set. Like this one has like the alternate art. I think War of Spark had like a chance to get like some Final Fantasy artist that like did some like. Oh, I, yeah. The Japanese, the Japanese planeswalkers. Yes. And the then. En- yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then I think it was like Aether Revolt had like masterpieces. It's like there's yep. and there's like this like crazy awesome like there's a chance I get something super special every time I crack a pack. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> it's like opening a pack of cards is actually a, <laughs> a gambling that works really well. I mean, and I'm not a gambler at all. I'm yeah. more, and, but you're not only opening it and you could get something great. You're also opening it and playing and gathering with your friends. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes it work. You know, that's why uh, the fun part is getting a box and, you know, not just cracking all the packs, which I, I don't get me wrong. I, I do enjoy doing that too, but I've never I would done rather, that. I, okay. I'm proud of you. <laughs> that's something that you do is you, cause like, Honestly, because I've never played standard, so like I would never just like sit there and open packs. I, I I've never sold a card. I wouldn't know how to do that. Yeah. I literally only do like sealed or draft with them. And I have like several boxes. And it's like if a buddy comes over, like my cousin. Actually, this is like the perfect time for me to be doing this podcast. Is my cousin's coming down, um, and we're just spending kind of the weekend just playing Magic. And like he's coming to Friday Night Magic, and um, and we're just gonna play sealed and like stream it. But like literally that's what he's coming down for is just to hang out and play magic. Yeah. See, and, and that's what it, that is. So here in, in Minneapolis, we, uh, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of the players that I, I, I tend to have in my play group are dads at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, I was, my daughter is, is 10 months old. A lot of us have kids three and under. So we really kind of, we, we will buy boxes of sets and then just hold on to them until we can get together once a month. Uh, mm-hmm. We're actually getting together at a brewery next weekend and doing a uh, deck exchange. So we play a version of EDH called 1DH, which is no card in the deck can be worth more than a dollar. So uh, the entire, every single card in the deck has to be worth a dollar or less. I love and that. we play it without sleeves. Um, we rubber band the decks and use like Ziploc bags as our deck boxes. <laughs> With this okay. like idea of returning to how a lot of us learn to play, you know, like, okay. and but we also build these decks and then we'll get there and randomly exchange them and play with them. Okay, I so, love that. So we do that, or we'll get a box and then we'll get together on a weekend. Um, when a GP is in town in Minneapolis, I generally host a barbecue for forty to fifty people, and it's all about me cooking tri-tip on a grill, and then us bringing three or four boxes and just setting up tables to draft okay so whenever there's a, the next one in minnesota i'm coming to minnesota and i'm okay. coming to your barbecue i'm inviting I mean, myself you're, you're, <laughs> you're more than welcome to come i'm from southern california originally so i can cook tri-tip i promise you <laughs> i had to I have family them, in minnesota like, too so i could go see my family i have an excuse for it okay well okay it's um let me see it's it's july of next year i believe july okay <laughs> yeah right in the middle of season yeah i'm sure that it'll be nice and easy for us to get you out here <laughs> Maybe I'm playing for the twins. You never know. Hey, yeah, I was gonna say I'm. Am I allowed to ask about how that's going? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm. Who knows? I saw that you and your wife had posted a kind of a questions about free agency. I thought it was really good to. I, I like seeing the kind of the stuff that you guys are putting out. So. Oh man, thank you. Yeah, she's she's amazing and she's so creative and yeah, we have fun doing that. I'm glad you're watching. That's yeah. that's really cool. But yeah, it's July 10th. So okay. If for some reason you you are more than welcome and I will cook for you, but <laughs> Joe, but that does to... sound awesome. Let me ask you this though. I have yes. another question. So I, I just want to know what your favorite set is from the time that I've been playing. So from kind of the um, Zendikar forward, what have been your favorite drafts, your favorite sets, and your favorite storylines? So, oh man, so storyline actually, um, gosh, that is. 
really difficult. Um, I really liked Amenket. Um, I really liked the Egypt theme, and I liked yes. how they kind of handled Bolus's presence there as this godlike figure, um, and the Gatewatch. So all the planeswalkers. So Gatewatch is kind of our version of the Avengers. So they're your Gideon. They're, they're like Gideon, Chandra, Jace, when they're all working together. That's the Gatewatch. And yeah, okay. They Both of the Gatewatch. Yes. So, yeah, so they, they all kind of are working together to keep things in harmony and balance. And, and you had all the desert lands. You had all the desert lands. And you also just had this plane where this planeswalker that we know of as being the big baddie had basically set up his his own kingdom. He was a god to these groups. So from like a storyline perspective, I just really like that the they kind of show up on there. He's searching for a weapon. They're trying to stop him, but they're not really... I don't think comprehending at that point to what level he has influence. And then they show up on Amonkhet. Um, and Amonkhet now, is like the pyramid or the temple yep, or. Yep. 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 So the whole, all the ones that were on Egypt theme with the deserts and they had the. Yeah. Um, oh man, I loved Amonkhet and our yeah. devastation. And yeah. like, I mean, for a set to be called hour of devastation, right. it was just like the ultimate, like, yeah. let's go. So from and what was the story of hour of devastation? So basically the storyline is they're they're trying to stop Bolas because he is he is trying to so when we get to War of the Spark, he basically has been stealing pieces of different technology and weapons to get all the planeswalkers stuck on Ravnica. And then he's using his mummified kind of champions to then kill them all. So that's why we get like the you get like the Amass, you get all those zombies. They're all mm -hmm. coming in from Amonkhet. So all okay. of those are coming. So if you notice, like some of the characters from Amonkhet were like Neheb and some of the others were all of a sudden on Ravnica. That's because Bolas had basically opened a portal between the worlds. Okay. Yeah. So he, he was um, in there. He's kind of... He is basically hour of devastation is he it's the smaller set. It's kind of the second part. It's really his plans. And it's basically he is kind of setting it up. He defeats all of the gods that are there and he sets up this army of eternal beings. And he basically is uh, the the why we like it is it's kind of the Empire Strikes Back in some way. Um, yep. The planeswalkers from the Gatewatch kind of. They try to defeat him there, and like he just single-handedly kind of just like dismisses them all. He basically okay. like he causes Jace to be uh, like Jace's mind gets damaged, and he has to go to Ixalan, and that's why he wakes up on Ixalan like with amnesia. So Jace, oh, when, when he was on like he didn't know who he was. Okay, and then um, you know so. He is just doing this, and at the very end, it's him versus Gideon, and he basically is, like, laughing at Gideon of, like, you actually want me to kill you. Like, and kind of bringing up this, uh... See, I think you would love to read into and learn Gideon's storyline. Where, where do you find, like, the storylines if you are to, like, try yeah. to catch up or follow? Yeah, so, like, um, there's a, a lot of... MTG Wiki is a good place that has a decent amount, um... Checking out some of the podcasts, such as there's one called La, the Lorthos podcast. Um, uh, our old ones, um, we actually handled Gideon's storylines, uh, kind of relating it to PTSD and suicide. Uh -huh. um, 
So we did like a two-parter because Gideon kind of was born out of tragedy. Like he's from the Greek world um, originally. He's from uh, which would be where we're getting ready to return to where. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So he, we're going he, to Thanos. Is that right? Or not Thanos. Where, where are we going? What's the next set? Yeah. Um, my mind just went blank. So give me a second. Yeah, <laughs> I, I try to Google it. Yeah, like I'm trying to remember where he actually is from because it is they, they just had cards from it literally today. But oh, really? Cards came out for the new set today. Yeah, a new uh, new planeswalker for Ashiok and for Elspeth. Oh yeah, I don't know who Elspeth is, but I know who Ashiok is, and he yeah. is mean. He's a yeah. vicious sucker. Yeah, yeah. So so Theros, it is very close to Thanos. So Theros not, is not our our greek theme set oh we're going to a greek theme yes and we're oh. returning to it we're okay so we've already been to theros yes mm -hmm. have we already been to eldraine as well no this was our first time on eldraine eldraine was a brand new world and so what is the story of eldraine because i love it like it's fairies it's witches it's it was so perfect for halloween yeah so it, it was basically supposed to be their um like the, the overall idea behind the set was they were trying to make like a grim's a magic Grimm's fairy tale. So there's a oh, like, yes. deeper kind of story going through it. But it, it really is mainly just this idea. The basic idea behind it is that we were bringing takes on fairy tales into the magic world. I love so, it. I love it. Yeah. I did get to t speak to Mark Rosewater. And he asked me if like, he's like, what has magic not done? Yeah. And it's funny because like, I obviously don't know many of the sets before. And yeah. I was like thinking of like, it's like, oh, what do you say to Mark Rosewater in the 10 minutes you get to talk to him? Right. I was totally not prepared. I did not know that I was going to get to talk, talk to him. And I was like, and I, my questions for him was like, do you believe in aliens? And because like, <laughs> I was just like, what do you ask this? Like, they, yeah, this yeah. hero. Yeah. Um, and he had a really cool answer to that. And I asked him his favorite books and he told me his favorite books, um, like what he would recommend. But, when he asked me the question for me, I was like, I, cause I love Harry Potter. And I was like, I think, you know, a Harry Potter themed with magic set would be incredible. And he was like, Oh, okay. And I was like, maybe they've already done that because he was like, yeah, it's like a wizard school. And I was like, magic is basically all wizards. So right. is there, and a, is there like a Harry Potter kind of themed set? So there is actually like a magic Academy. It's called the Telerian Academy. Uh -huh. um, and, and, it basically, in some ways, it's kind of like the students end up like having to go on missions for the headmasters there that are kind of horrible people. But oh, so it, it is basically Harry Potter already. He's already yeah, done it. It's already been done. But dang it, what I missed that set. Son of a gun. Though those are now we're talking kind of the the much earlier days of magic, like Urza. If you Urza, like Urza was like the headmaster basically at the Telerian Academy. Okay. So that's like very early days of magic. Remind me of who Urza is. I feel like he's black. Um, Urza is, Urza just got um, like an Urza Planeswalker card was, it was him as a floating head. But more recently in Modern Horizons, he's blue. He's an artificer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember him at all. Yeah. But he, he's kind of like, he kind of was supposed to almost be like a hero early on but he kind of was a like eugenicist and <laughs> not actually a really good person 
So, and him and his brother basically had this giant war, and his brother is what led to um, the Phyrexians, which are the ones who caused Infect. They're basically, were you an X-File person at all? No. Okay, so there's like a black oil in there that infects people. That's basically what causes Infect in the game. Oh, okay, so it's kind of like an an X-Files type throwback thing? In some ways, it kind of was similar, yeah. Ah, and that's kind of one of the things Mark Rosewater's known for is like kind of taking taking something you kind of know, yeah, and like making reference to it, which yes. I love, which I is really what enjoy. Throne, I thought Throne of Eldraine did a very nice job of from everything. From oh yeah, card just from card, uh, Beauty and the Beast, and, a lot yeah. of a lot of Disney stuff. Like yes, yes, and obviously Happily Ever After was a really great meme. Yep, yep, yeah. I mean that was. The, the the getting the commercial with the gingerbread people and like um us getting Garrick just like eating a gingerbread man, which was <laughs> awesome. But uh, see if you'd asked me that question, I want I wanna see a I wanna see a world that actually takes place in space above a planet. But that's kind of what that's actually the the Eldrazi. That's like the kind I feel of, like that's that's aliens and, and space. It's kind of they're they're almost more like HP Lovecraft kind of to me like Cthulhu type beasts like they destroy planets more so that I want spaceships like I want to see Gideon piloting a spaceship. By the way, now you're now making me think that Gideon was kind of a a bad choice because he's what? like a because he, you're saying he's like a he, he's got like a sadder story and he's kind of like messed up. He he does. I don't know uh, his whole story. He just seems like he always seems to me like this just ultimate warrior. And and I think this is why his story is very good. I mean, he actually um so he he is who we use as the basis for our episode on suicide as a topic. Uh-huh. Uh, because he kind of you know, Bolus even kind of mocked him like you would not be depressed if I killed you. You wouldn't be unhappy if I killed you. And he kind of rushes in with that hero self-sacrifice so in war of the spark like he's wielding that blade that sword as he tries to like stab gideon with it i mean sorry Mm -hmm. when he tries to stab bolus with it and it Mm -hmm. like fails miserably Mm -hmm. but he he sacrifices himself so that liliana can kind of bring down bolus okay does liliana succeed i'm guessing not she does that's how they succeed in war of the spark they succeed Oh, they take Bolus down? They take Bolus down. By the way, yeah. I love Liliana, too. Like, love the zombie nation. Yeah, I mean, how can you not? I mean, She's I'm a black. Like, we've, yes. we've decided, like, black is, like, my main. If I'm going to choose one color, black right. is my color. Right. And, and so you kind of see that was the playoff there is, like, Liliana is known as the selfishness. And she actually decides to kind of sacrifice her, herself. And Gideon basically steps in and gets killed in front of her. Like he decides, which is such a such a white planeswalker move. Yeah, right. I mean, the holy so, light. Right, but so it's he's an incredibly good story. But the the whole reason he kind of became who he was was he had a group of friends that basically be kind of because of his arrogance as a kid get killed right in front of him, and that kind of like sets him off on this path. Okay, I could see I'm, that. I'm telling you, Gideon, and, and like I said, so I it is not a bad choice for who you want up in the ninth. <laughs> well, I just know that his cards Assume are... you want a hero and not a villain. Yeah. I mean I mean Bolus 
Yeah, like you said, when Bolas shows up, the game is over. Right. Freaking Bolas. <laughs> so, like, I, I do have to, I, like, I, you know, I, we know, I know that we, we're starting to see more athletes talk about this part. And I'm wondering how long has it been that athletes have been kind of secretly nerdy? You know what? It's actually not super duper common. Okay. Like most, most athletes actually, like if they do play games, it's first person shooter. Okay. Or at least, at least baseball players. Um, yeah. Most of them are first person shooters. They might know some old school Nintendo games. Yep. Um, or sports games. But okay. there's not like a ton that are into Magic the Gathering, like Final Fantasy, like that. Like I'm, I'm definitely a rarity. But when I do find another baseball player that's into it, it's a lot of fun. So have you played with Trevor Williams? No, I haven't. Because he plays too. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I played with Kyle Crick, who plays, who's on the Pirates. Like he was with okay. the Giants. We trade him over. Crick loves Magic. He's like, he's into all of this stuff. Okay. So see, and, so that's what, yeah, like. You know, football player wise, we know Cassius Marsh, who's uh, uh-huh. on the Seahawks, and then um, Chris Cluey was like, I think one of the first ones that really, I don't know, do you know who Chris Cluey is? No. So he used to be a punter for the Vikings. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, I've watched him talk about like League of Legends and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's written like sci-fi books, but like he's probably one of the first ones that I know of who did. Um, we know the Packers' offensive line actually for a while has gotten really obsessed with board games. Yes. But it's it's we're starting it's like it seems to be like pockets or it's and, and we're just kind of curious like so I work with military people that's what I work with veterans and in uh-huh. in that community it, it's it's actually pretty high D and D Magic the Gathering because these are things that can be done on a ship or in a zone that doesn't take up a ton of space and yes. you know like when I lived in San Diego. We had the guys from the naval base that were stuck on ship. They used to come in and just drop money on boxes like all the time because they had nothing else to do. They just wanted to draft and play magic. So like I know that in that culture, it's it's kind of an unspoken thing. Like uh, I do therapy with a lot of people who see, you know, um, I've got magic stuff kind of around my office or I've got, you know, Star Wars stuff around my office. And they're beginning to be more comfortable talking about it. And yeah, it's starting to be more mainstream than it used to be. Right. And I'm just wondering what the sports world is like, because I just, you know, yeah. Yeah. So when my buddy actually introduced it to me, which was in 2016, um, and like a lot of people play on the, on the flights, like poker and like all yeah. that. And to me, I like, to me for my personality, it's like when I get into a game, I want to like fully dive in and be the best I can at it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do that in poker with my teammates. Like if I take their money, <laughs> I feel like an ass. Like I, don't, I feel like not a good person. Right. And right. if I lose, obviously I don't feel good about that either. So it's like this is a lose-lose for me. Like if I go all in and like get really good at it and like I'm taking money from my teammates, which I don't want to do. Yep. And if I lose, like, yeah. So I was just like, you know what? That's not for me. Um, but it was a way when I learned how to do it and I found like a couple teammates that wanted to do it. It was like a really good way, especially in San Francisco. You have long travel. Mm-hmm. It was super fun to do drafts on the flights. But the one thing that was weird is what, like one of the things that you do on flights is you hang out with your teammates. You get up and you talk and whatever. And so and like and the manager and stuff will come around and like having Boach walk by while we have like a whole magic like like crazy game going on. And we're like we're like really deep in it. And Boach's like, hey, what is this? Well, you know, and you're like, uh, sorry, Boach. Uh, yeah, don't worry about that. Don't, <laughs> this is nothing. 
That's what I, I, I got to admit, as soon as you were talking about being on the plane, I was trying to picture, like, Bochi, like, watching you guys play. Yeah, because yeah. he loves, like, he likes, he likes poker and he likes all that stuff, which everyone's yeah. doing. He loves that. He comes and looks at our game, and I'm not sure he was, <laughs> and like a lot of people, it's, like, super awkward. But we were just like, you know what, this is so fun, we don't care. Okay. Like, so it just became kind of normal. Okay. So, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that diving in, because that's how you're known for playing baseball. I mean, you, you know, we kind of picture you as being that guy that's going to run into the wall. You're really going to be trying to run out the infield grounder. You're competing hard. And it, it sounds like when you got into something like Magic, that's kind of how you approached it. Yes, exactly. Okay. We created this whole thing. We called it yeah. like the gaunt- I forget what we called it. Like It was either the ultimate tournament or the gauntlet. But what we would do, because Connor like loved it, is we would do it, we would draft, we would, or we'd do a sealed. Yep. We would play a best of three or best of five. I think we'd do a, like a best of five. And then we would like save the deck and then we'd do another one. And we'd do a best of, best of three or best of five. I can't really remember. And we would save the second one. And we would, after we did three seals, we'd have all three of the decks saved. And then we would do what we called like the tournament. Mm-hmm. And it would be like double elimination. So we'd have three decks and we'd like put them out and I would call like I'd point at his decks and I wouldn't really even like we I, I've obviously seen them because I played them and I would be like, all right, that's uh, one, two, this is three, four and this is five, six. And I'd roll a dice and like whatever landed, he picked that deck up and then he would do the same thing for me. And he'd roll a dice and I'd pick that deck up and then they would play. And depending on you got two losses and it would be a best of three, obviously. Yeah. So a, a best of three. And then if you lost, you put in a loser and the other one's a winner and you, you keep the record. And so after like whichever deck like didn't ever lose became like the ultimate champion or whatever. So like we would do that and then we'd, we'd un like unsleeve all of those and then start over. And like, that was kind of our thing. And like, to, he, like it took Connor forever to get like the ultimate champion. He would like, he'd beat me in the sets, but then when the tournament came, he'd choke. Yeah, you know, and he was like, it was so funny because he was so hard on himself. But then he finally like won one, and it like gave him all of this confidence. He had this like, yeah, he like loved it. He's like, I'm finally a champion. And like, we would literally play to like two in the morning, which was like way too late most every night. Yeah, yeah. Now, did so you, you guys had a full set of basically? Were you able to do like eight on a flight? Did you have eight teammates? I mean, no, no, no. We would do. It was just sealed. It was just okay. Me and him. Uh, just and it was just him. sealed okay. after sealed after sealed, and like he couldn't sleep. Yeah. So like a lot of times we'd go until two in the morning. I'd go to sleep, wake up at ten, go eat, and head to the field. So it was like magic till two, sleep till ten, go to the field on the road. Never at home. When we we're at home, we didn't play at all. It was like wait until the road trip because like that's obviously when the wives aren't there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was so, a good time. That was like shadows over Innistrad. Uh, Eldritch Moon, he didn't like as much. Then the next one, I think, might have been Amonkhet. But mm-hmm. Amonkhet and Hour of Devastation, we, we just played a ton of all of those. Now, would you... So, I mean, this is one of those hard things of, you know, leaving teams. Did you come over and was there... Did you know? Like, is there anybody in here that plays? Like, how would you even find that out among... Are the, you talking about with the Rangers? Yeah. Yeah, nobody played with the Rangers. Huh, that makes me... Well, I, actually, I, I actually had, like, a break where I didn't play very much because, like, going okay. and, like, changing my swing and stuff and going to the Dominican... Yep. Like there was no magic. So I missed like a couple sets in there. Um, but then I would like play online if I ever got a chance, if I got online and stuff. Okay. Um, but I missed like, I missed a few of the sets. 
I mean, what I'm hearing is you need to, this needs to be part of your interview for them when you're looking at a new team. Yeah, like who are the magic players over there? Yeah, is there, are there <laughs> any Gearin, on your team? Corey Gearin also played with us and he was super fun. And like we one time played like a three player free for all, but then we realized that that's not a good thing because it didn't feel fair. <laughs> so, I mean, what's funny is we have like a question on here, unsure of like where this was going to go, but along this idea of like, which of your former teammates would you most want as your partner if you were doing like a team tournament? And it sounds like, I mean, you could pick anybody other than Connor Gillespie, I guess, because he's the only one who plays. Well, no, there was there like, was there was Gearin and there was Crick. Okay. Crick was okay. really good. Crick okay. was really good. Crick actually like competed in tournaments and stuff, and like wow. he was really good. Yeah. Now, what if we're gonna take somebody who you just think the competitor nature you would want, even in Magic? Um, competitive nature. Like, what do you mean? Like a player that you think that would just, it, a, a, one of your teammates that you think would have made a good magic player that had kind of the, the elements that would be needed, even if they didn't play. I think Javi Lopez would be my pick. Like I wish that he learned to play. Mm -hmm. He'd be so fun to play against. Cause he's just like so crazy smart. So elegant. So mm -hmm. like stylish and smooth and well thought out with everything. And he just like, he seems to see the big picture with everything going on. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, his dad was an FBI agent. Like, he's just like Jace. We called him Jace Smooth. He's just the best. <laughs> so, you know, he still has time to learn. Come on. Like, let's, maybe you need to get, get on this. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, I don't know if I could convince Jace Smooth to do that. He's got kids. <laughs> he's a dad. Like, I don't know. How old are those kids? To, How old are those kids? They're getting older now. I mean, see? I haven't seen them in a bit, but. I would definitely try. Yeah. That's the one thing, though, with Connor. Connor didn't really know how to play at all. He actually saw me and Corey play, and it was like – he, like, loved Final Fantasy. And it was like a two-week commitment of slowly showing him, slowly – like, everything super slow. And it was, like, literally two weeks of playing every night. And then after yeah. two weeks, I didn't have to, like, coach him anymore. It took a long time, though. It's definitely a commitment to teach someone to play Magic. So, so I mean – and it does take, like you said, it has it has to be a commitment. But and, and I I think that that would lend itself to what I know of kind of from athletes. Um, so what I know of within the magic community is we online on Twitter, we actually do have like a fair amount of D1 or former college athletes more so. Um, mm -hmm. And there does seem to be kind of an element of that that I can see translating over and maybe not at the pro level. Maybe that's why we're not seen it i mean just even just simply time-wise to devote to it but i do think that there are things that make people good at being athletes that would make them good at being magic players yeah i'm hoping that i get to compete in more of the, like the the pro tours and stuff like i want to get into the competitive scene like that's like my dream for when i'm retired from baseball is to like try to become a pro magic player yeah that's like that. That's what and like obviously Coral Sword, like the 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 coffee pub that I have is like Magic and Dungeons and Dragons and board games. So it's like that's definitely like where I'm like would be steering my life after baseball. That's cool. I and just, I would like to to see. So I, I was a runner. So like I I I, I mean I college runner. I didn't go. I mean it's not like I'm, but I do feel that there are elements from that lifestyle that have made me 
more competent when it comes to playing magic or just how yeah there's definitely mental it. strength discipline practice um yeah. these are kind of qualities of like being a runner yeah right? well and an athlete yes yeah and an athlete and they're and it takes very similar qualities like all of these professional magic players are highly highly talented skilled and like mental strength like the focus it takes to like be in these tournaments is insane yeah yeah, I mean, so I was a, I was an endurance runner, and, and so I I did I day twoed exactly one of the Grand Prix, and I will tell you, playing nine rounds of Magic at that level for you know ten hours out of a day, it took the fact that I had to be thinking back to like, how do I do this? You know, how would I keep yeah. keep focused? You hit, this you hit long? like that like crazy like when you're running. A lot of times, if you're a distance runner, you hit that zone of like. I can't go on and you just right. keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could totally see that. That's crazy. Yeah. How fun was that going to day two? It was, it was in legacy. Um, so kind of the, to me, like one of the coolest formats and um, it was in Vegas at one of the big GPs that they do there. And I proceeded to just get absolutely destroyed the next day. Like, oh, man. Anything I so did day well, one, day you were one, just on fire. Yeah. Day two, I just, I played three or four rounds and dropped. I was just, yeah. Dang. So my, I have a buddy who um, was a partner with us at Coral Sword, and he went maybe two years ago, and he went and did like, there was like a, one of the Grand Prix that was, was like a drafting event. Mm -hmm. And he like won, like he was like nine and oh, and he was like showing us all of his stuff. And it was like, he was like pulling like just the craziest stuff. Yeah. And then I think he lost like, two of the next three. So he ended up being like 10 and two. And I think he was like maybe 10 people off of making it to the next day, but it was like absolutely like bonkers. So we were just like, everyone was fired up for him. That's Man, awesome. I, I have like, when is the next like draft format for, <laughs> for a GP? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see the next one. I'm there. I mean, there's one in Portland uh, this weekend, right? Portland, Oregon. I think there's a big event. I'm trying to remember if it's limited magic fest so like when do i look this up you just search for magic fest okay magic you fest just, just magic fest because they'll, they'll give you all the like kind of the right. big big events and then you can then look to see on sites that'll kind of so channel fireball is the main one that, uh -huh. that hosts all these and they'll tell you what the like the format's going to be and okay. all of those. but there's also side events and stuff too right yeah you could i mean you could just completely go and i mean i go to a lot of these and i go and i don't even like when we do the one here in, um, so when we have the one that's going to be here in uh, Minneapolis, we do a barbecue at my house and just, we did a barbecue at my house and just played here till two or three in the morning, got up the next morning and had another, we had a cube draft. So somebody owned a cube with all the power cards and we had 13 of us. That is a draft format to the way that we did it, that you would probably enjoy once again, you would have to learn the cards, I think, to really understand, like to play it. It, but it's a style of draft where you, all the cards for the cube, there's like 500 and something of them, are laid out on tables, and you snake draft it, and everybody can see what you pick. Hmm. So you know what other people are picking. So you know what type of a strategy they're going for, and you know, are you going to try to cut them off and take a key card that they need for their deck, or are you going to make your deck less good by doing that? Very interesting. So it's a, it is a format that 
once again, takes a lot of knowledge of the cards, but to me is a very interesting way to play Magic when you're literally snake draft watching what everybody picks ahead of you. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's like, it's going to take a bit before I'm ready for that. Because <laughs> it's just like a bunch, of, I'm just going to be looking at like basically a bunch of cards I don't know. Yeah. Like yeah. there's 500 cards I don't know. This it's, right. That's not going to be very fun. Right. And, and what you'll find is kind of similar to limited, you know, most cubes you'll start seeing, even though there's thousands and thousands, you know, 10,000 plus magic cards, most of them are not getting played. It's kind of that situation we talked about with Legacy. Yes, I could play cards going back to Alpha and Beta, but only so many of those cards are really played. Once you start learning them, it, mm -hmm. it's not as many as it seems. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I started realizing that was standard, and I'm sure if I like got back into Modern or Legacy, it's like there's probably like 20 decks that people play in Legacy, and like yeah. you know, like by turn like one or two, you kind of know what deck you're up against in standard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in in, in Legacy, you you sometimes you're literally watching to see what a person's first land drop is to try to start getting an idea of what deck you think you're facing. Yep. I mean, because because you're playing a lot less, it's almost never basics in those formats. So, what land do they play on turn one? Gives you an idea of already narrowing down which of the twenty main decks am I most likely facing? Is that is that about what you would say is like how many are in legacy? You know, it's like tier. So if I'm looking at tier one and tier two, yes, probably about twenty to thirty real decks. Yeah. Okay. And so, like I said, you start, it, it, it's a, to me, I, I'm a big stats guy in general. I mean, that's why I like fantasy sports. Um, a lot of my work in psychology was doing stats. So I like that idea of trying to like narrow down and make guesses on what people are doing just based off of the card they play. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's like making that jump that they talk about from like standard where things are changing all the time to like modern or legacy is you can actually stick with a deck for, years you know there's gonna be some changes to it but if you can get just you you it's it's kind of an interesting change versus standard where you're you're having to play a new deck every couple months yeah I and mean, that might be why i also like standard is like yeah. i fall in love with the draft and i like that it's like it's gonna be fresh and it's gonna be new and it's like yep. okay there's like 20 to 30 legacy decks and that's like kind of the way it is with very mm -hmm. light variation but standard, it's like, okay, right now there's like 10 decks and yep. there's like about five or six like swing swing decks that could you could create that are like could work as well. That you're like, oh, no, I don't know what this is. I, yes. love it. I like that shock value. Playing the rogue decks. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I uh, just kind of wrapping up a little bit. We normally on the show like to give people a chance to, you know, pitch anything else that they have kind of going on. I know you have the... Um, charity stuff that you've been raising money for. I didn't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about that or at least just tell people what it is. Yeah. Um, I think I've been doing several things. Um, but the main one that I've been doing lately is like trying to plant trees mm -hmm. because trees are good for our planet. Um, they help like reduce pollution. And so I started with Texas trees foundation, but I'm actually like a big fan of uh, also like the Elon Musk thing, which I'm donating to as well. I mean, it's actually not Elon Musk that is running it. It was a YouTuber that wanted to plant 20 million trees. Okay. And I, I actually found out about it because he donated a million dollars to it. 
and I don't remember the name of this foundation, but I do know that the Texas Trees Foundation is the one that I'm a partner with, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be going to Dallas and planting uh, a whole bunch of like trees at an elementary school, and so that like the kids will have obviously shade in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps the earth, but it also like they're going to have school programs to help teach kids like how to plant trees, how to grow trees, and like they can do all sorts of things with it. So that's why. I kind of like Texas Trees Foundation as well, but really I just want to promote like planting trees, uh, getting involved with that, uh, not necessarily anyone in particular. That's great. Well, like I said, thank you for being with me. So I don't know. We never actually did introductions at any point during this. We <laughs> yeah, we just kind of we just kind of like, took off. To be fair, if you do go back and listen to some of our old podcasts, that probably won't shock you. That's how we tend to operate. But for those out there, this was an okay conversation for your podcast. This was a great conversation for the podcast. Yeah. Perfect. So as people out there know, I am Hobbs Q. I can be found on Twitter at Hobbs Q. And my guest tonight has been Hunter Pence. All right. And follow me on. Yeah. Follow free agent. Follow me on Twitch. I've been streaming a lot of magic lately. And it's just Hunter Pence, like twitch.tv forward slash Hunter Pence. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I would love to, hopefully I'll see you at some of these Grand Prix. Yeah, no, it's said, and if you ever are in Minnesota, you just let me know and we'll cook for you. And we'll, we'll, get, you, we'll get you some people to play EDH with. Yeah, here. we'll do some Innistrad at Minnesota. Yeah, we'll, yeah, I'll work on getting a box for us. So. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thank you I really so much. I appreciate it. Have a great night. All right, take care. Bye. And that's our show for today. You can find the host on Twitter. HobbsQ can be found at HobbsQ. And Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsleds, the cast can be found at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at Vindergotten.Bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raffle. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening, and remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>